Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. It's a lesson. Something, 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 and then da da da. That's the rhythm. Yes. Yeah, I got it. None of the words, but yeah, those are definitely the words. So something, so something. <laughs> All right, welcome to the podcast, everybody. As we introduce ourselves, answer this question: In honor of Stranger Things, the new Netflix hit miniseries, what is your favorite piece of '80s classic pop culture? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee, and mine is The Breakfast Club. I'm Lawson Soward, an art director in Nashville, Tennessee, and mine is the music video for Take On Me by AHA. And I'm Lucas Schreit, a designer from the Bay Area, and my favorite thing would be Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Atsley. So this week we're gonna we're, we're gonna start off with what we're feeling this week, just something that really caught your attention in pop culture. We're gonna move on to some news um, about the death of Gary Marshall, and we're gonna finish it up with talking about pop culture knowledge gaps. So Lawson, do you want to start us off with what you're feeling this week? Sure. So this past week was my birthday, and uh, my wife got me tickets to see Modest Mouse and Brand New in concert, which was so fun. It was Mm. like, I still listen to those bands and like them a lot, but I mean, the time when I was most focused on them was in high school. I was back in a lot of garage bands and, you know, spent all my high school graduation money on on recording equipment and all this kind of stuff. Um, And really, I loved those bands, and so it was just an amazing, amazing night. Um, but it got me into thinking about uh, recording again and whenever I used to like play music with my friends and stuff. And so what I'm feeling this week is the Song Exploder podcast. Have either of you guys listened to this? Yes. I, have I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Lucas, it's it's so interesting. Um, this past week they did one on Grimes. Um, and basically what this podcast does is um, takes apart a song track for track um they interview the artist and um talk about have the artist talk about how they put the song together in the studio what were different you know sampling things that they did what different uh things influenced the decisions that they made on how to record them and so it's really fascinating if you're into recording and want to hear tips from you know the best in the business on how they produce certain things but it's also just really interesting if you're if you an artist that you like comes on and gets to give you some more background into the song because they give you kind of insight into where the song was uh, inspired from and where uh, different elements of the songs came in. I mean, sometimes there's stuff that's thrown in at the very last minute and the song was you know going to be completely different before that. And kind of just getting more of the background, um, the story of the song is something that I've always found fascinating. So um, they have about, I want to say like two dozen-ish, not a bunch of episodes yet, so you can actually go back and uh, listen to it from the start if you're interested, or you can just, you know, pop around based on what songs you like. Um, but it was just a really fun uh, experience listening to that podcast, particularly the Grimes episode this week. Um, and, you know, getting back into the days of like the uh, the inner workings of music and music recording. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and especially if a song that you like comes on there, I highly recommend listening. 
Yeah, it's definitely something that I kind of I, I, I keep track of like, you know, when when different bands that I like come on a, a song exploder. One of the cool things is just a lot of times they'll just play like one of the tracks by themselves. Just like here's just the guitar part for this song. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you kind of get to see you get to see behind the curtain and it just you get to see a lot of things in a different light, which is really cool. I would recommend the uh, the Weezer episode. Um, that's, I think it's probably a couple months old at this point, but, um, he's just got a really interesting way of writing songs and they kind of break that down and show how he, how he kind of comes up with not only song titles, but also, um, kind of different rhythms and stuff. And it's, it's a really interesting look at, um, at, at the music industry and how people are recording music right now. Do they tend to stick to one genre of music as a no. whole, or do they explode all, explore all over the place? All, all over, over the place. place. Yeah, okay. all over the place. So I would definitely, definitely take a look. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and I I agree, Lucas. One of the some of the most fun I have is hearing isolated tracks. Like on this past <laughs> week, they uh, Grimes was talking about how uh, I guess she's a one person thing, but like mm-hmm. she was her name isn't Grimes, but she was saying, <laughs> uh, yeah, this track it just you know. Uh, she was talking about the vocals and she was like, it sounds like garbage to isolate, but um, it's it worked really well with this. And the person like the producer of the podcast was like, well, now we have to isolate those vocals. And yeah. she's like, well, you've been warned. <laughs> and it does. It sounds really weird, but it's really trippy and really interesting. And it's just, it's so fun to hear these little things separated out. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Sandra, what are you feeling this week? Last night, I watched a documentary called The Pistol Shrimps on CISO. Have any of y'all explored CISO yet? I don't even know what that is. Okay, so CISO is NBC's new streaming service for comedy-specific content. Huh. Um, It's... Uh, it has a lot of original content, original TV series, stand-up specials that are only on CISO, um... A, a few movies are available. It has a lot of NBC's comedy catalog. So it has SNL, 30 Rock, um, some stuff that you can find on other streaming surfaces, but then a lot of really interesting original content. Cool. Um, I have been meaning to start, I've been meaning to sign up for CISO, but I've been waiting because Cameron Esposito has a series on CISO coming out in August called Take My Wife with her and her wife, Rhea Rhea Butcher. So I've been waiting to sign up for that series to start. Um, But then yesterday, uh, Jonah Ray, who also has a series on CISO, um, put out a promo code. The code is Hidden America in all caps because that's the name of his show. Um, where you can get two free months of the service before you start paying oh, cool. versus the normal 30-day free trial. Um, so with that, I was like, man, I'm just going to get on board right now. Also, it's only $4.99, or no, it's only $3.99 a month. So it's a very, very easy thing to add on to yeah. your list of streaming services. Um, anyway, so this is also, I guess, a little mini review of CISO in addition <laughs> to the documentary. But CISO... Is I li- I'm excited to like explore all the content they have. Unfortunately, they don't. They only have an iOS app and a website. They don't have an app mm. for like Apple TV or Amazon. You can, if you sign up via Amazon Prime, like you can, I think, watch it via with Amazon Prime. But mm-hmm. I didn't sign up with Amazon Prime. I signed up to get this free trial like separately, so I don't mm. have that option. Um, so I had to watch it on my iPad versus like on my TV, which was a little bit of a bummer. Um, but I th- hopefully that they will. I'm hoping they will develop apps for like those box top sets sometime yeah. soon. Um, 
Anyway, but back to the documentary. This documentary, The Pistol Shrimps, is about a women's rec league basketball team in Los Angeles. Um, It is mostly comprised of models, actresses, comedians that are not athletes, but they just wanted to play basketball together. They really wanted to, like, participate in team sports. And it's a documentary about this team and all of the members of the team and what how their careers and this basketball team kind of, like, coexist with each other. I want to play y'all the audio from the trailer of the documentary. Here is Aubrey Plaza. You're in a, uh, a women's basketball league? You can come see it every Tuesday night. I'm on a team called the Pistol Shrimps. The Pistol Shrimps. That's me right there uh, giving the finger. Yeah. And, Very nice. Appreciate uh, that. We're really serious basketball team. No, you're not. Yeah, we are. It's time to lay down some hardwood and skin some rubber. You're listening to us broadcasting from a corner of the gym. <laughs> are you good? Um, we're terrible. Yeah, all right, yeah, very good. Thank you for that. Spirited, positive, and ready for action. Sounds like Pistol Shrimps basketball to me. This message to all of our haters. We love to ball, and we ball hard. No haters allowed. You're either with us okay. or against us. And may God help you if you're against us, because we will dunk on your ass okay. so hard. Hey, wait, whoa, 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 wait. So, it's really just a very funny look at, um... These women who work in the entertainment industry, which is a very cutthroat, competitive industry where you're kind of like a singular person. You don't, you're just fighting for yourself, trying to get whatever opportunity you can. Mm-hmm. And they found, they've made a space for themselves where like teamwork is encouraged and they get to like bond and build community with people in their industry versus just being like this like cutthroat competition that you normally feel when you're auditioning constantly or like trying to book shows. Um, it was really funny, just a really great look at like girls building something that's really fun and just for themselves. Um, when they started, they when they wanted to start the basketball team, they found out that there was only a men's rec league. Bas- there was only a men's basketball rec league. There wasn't a women's Ugh. because there was there were never enough women to sign up. Um, so not only did they start their own basketball team, but they got a bunch of other women to also start basketball teams. And what started as nothing now has over twenty teams of women playing basketball. Whoa! Yeah, and of course they have so much fun with it. The names are all very hilarious. Um, in addition to the league being started, they had a bunch of fans that are in the comedy community that would come and watch them play basketball. And so there is a podcast about the Pistol Shrimps now where two um, frequent comedians and podcasters, they call the game, but they're also mostly just like making jokes <laughs> and like having fun with themselves. Yeah. Um, but they, the whole premise is that they're calling the game. Um <laughs> There's a dance squad that has been formed um, that performs at, like, the halftime games at these rec league, uh, yeah, matches. It's It was such a fun look into, like, a subculture that I'm not a part of but that I'm so glad exists. Um, yeah. I am not athletic in any way i'm not a big sports person but i do love sports like movies and i love like women athletes and so this was really fun especially because like i said there's a lot of comedians and just really entertaining people on the team and so if you like women or comedy 
or basketball, if you like at least one of those things, I think you're going to have a fun time watching this movie. Yeah, that so sounds you, really awesome. Sorry, go ahead, yeah, Lucas. I was just going to say, so if you just like women, this is going to be great. I mean, if you have an affinity <laughs> for like women building themselves up and like forming community, then yes, I think you'll still like this movie. <laughs> if you are awesome. not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that sounds like so much fun. I love whenever there are things that like I had no idea existed, but that are this whole other world, and like there are so many elements of that world that you're describing that are things that I love. Yeah, so and yeah, go ahead. After watching this documentary, I definitely want to start listening to the podcast. Oh yeah, the podcast has been going on for a while and has quite a following, and I've never tuned in, but now I certainly will. Very cool. Awesome. So you kind of slid by with uh, feeling three different things this week. But, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, let my it master go. Plan. <laughs> Mine was kind of one and a half for that concert. It's true. Yeah. It's I true. Tried to mix it in. You guys are cheating because Brent's not here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Brent takes a week off and we flood the podcast. <laughs> Seriously. Well, I have one thing. I have only one thing that I'm feeling this week. Way to follow the rules, host. <laughs> <laughs> and that is uh, the movie Sing Street. Um, Sing Street is the the third movie by dire- director John Carney. Um, he directed Once and Begin Again. Did you guys see either of those movies? I adore both of those movies, and I got to see Sing Street at South by Southwest this year. Oh yes, that's I, right. I love both of those movies, but I not I've heard about Sing Street like being advertised now. But I haven't it seen hasn't it. come to Nashville yet. Yeah. It I hasn't know. really. No. Our independent oh movie gosh. theater just opened back up. Yeah, so. it's been under construction, okay. so we'll we'll be getting access to a lot more things now that it's opened up again. Prepare okay. your feeling it section right. for more <laughs> scary picks. movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Sing Street actually comes out on DVD um, the 26th, so Wednesday, Thursday, right. something the, like when, that. When it hits so, the streets. The Sing was, streets. Yes, when it hits the streets, <laughs> when Sing Street hits the streets. <laughs> so you'll be able to red box it, probably, I'm sure, stream it somewhere. Um, but it is... So it, in, if you have seen Once and Begin Again, it's in that same line of a really, it's a musical um, movie where basically somebody is writing music and you know singing it throughout. Um, this is one that's of his that is actually mixed in with a lot of, a lot of music from the time. This is a movie set in the 80s and really it's about a boy who forms a band to get a girl. It's a very Irish movie. It's he goes to an Irish Catholic school and he's just kind of set in 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 the heart of Dublin. Um, and so not only is it him writing these songs and singing these songs, but they've also got um, a lot of other '80s bands um, kind of mixed in here, like Hollow Notes, Duran Duran, The Cure, um, things like that. Um, and so like it's appearing or on the soundtrack. No, on the on, on the soundtrack. On the soundtrack. Oh, okay, on the gotcha. soundtrack. Yeah, sorry, they're not. They're not in, like, in the movie. <laughs> No, uh, but just yeah. So yeah. So the soundtrack is just a mix of both his songs that he that, that he's written in the movie, um, and then also just classic classic eighties songs. Nice. Um, and so it's basically the the whole band are these these unknown kids that that he cast from Ireland. Um, and then the really I think the big hit of this movie is the 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 child's older brother who's played by um, Jack Rayner, who is just fantastic. Uh, and he's- yeah, he he's is so hilarious and charming. Phenomenal. In that movie. Yeah, and the, the 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 longer I watched it, the more I wanted him to have been cast as Han Solo. I really like. He was oh, in the, he yeah. Was, he, he was in the running. It was it was down to like him and Aldrin. Aldrin. Eric Enric. Aldrin Enric. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. 
whatever I, I I appreciate that guy. I think he did it. I think he does a great job. I think he'll be great. But man, I wanted Jack Rayner to get this part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, he does a fantastic job being kind of the 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 his younger brother's kind of music mentor and just kind of. His dating guiding mentor. light the whole time. Yeah, dating mentor. Yeah, he he basically just kind of runs the show for his brother. And it's just a sweet, just kind of nice movie about about family relationships, about his relationships at school, and about this kid just kind of coming into his ho- his own as a musician and as a as a teenager. Um it is very, very, very Irish. Like everything about it is just <laughs> the most Irish thing you've ever seen. And I love it. John Carney, the director is Irish. And this is, I mean, his, his first movie once was, um, was also set in, um, in Ireland, in Ireland, but having it be in an Irish Catholic school, I think just makes it more like you, you feel like you're in 1985 Dublin the entire time, which is, um, I think I think impressive for 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 someone who does not know a lot about kind of Irish culture or anything like that. I think I think sorry he does. I don't being brought in <laughs> like that. Yeah, like, yeah. He I grew have, up in 1985 Ireland, but yeah. I yeah, have just, drank a Guinness before, so I feel like an authority <laughs> yeah. on Irish culture. <laughs> no, but I re- I really feel like he brought he brought me in and made me made me feel what it's like to to kind of grow up in that in that setting, which I think is was was beautiful. So Sandra, you saw it at, at South by Southwest. What did you think? Oh, it was one of my favorite movies that I saw that that week. Um, yeah. The music in it, I mean, the music in his movies is always great. And the mm-hmm. music in this one is still just so incredible. He does such a great job of making, like, music that is really good. I want to keep listening to it even after I've seen the movie. But yep. that, like, you can almost believe a teenager would write. You know, like... yeah. The, you know, there it's a little bit better than anything a, like a typical teenage yeah. garage band would m- make. Right. But like you can still kind of see where, oh yeah, teenagers would write this or feel this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was, I loved the styling throughout the movie because mm-hmm. it's the 80s. The main character is like constantly like switching his style <laughs> to match different musicians that he's seeing in music videos. And so he's changing hair and like trying on makeup and <laughs> the styling is so so fun mm-hmm. and I, I i think i think yeah. that's like absolutely perfect for like a teenager in the 80s like that is that is it like right constant especially like a musician just constantly trying to find your style and matching it to to different bands and artists that you that you see and i i just thought it was that's a it's a beautiful little touch in there I so rarely think about that. The 80s was such a, a rich time for different looks for bands and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's still been iterations of that now in, in the you know early 2000s and stuff, but that was, man, that feels like it was peak. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the, one of the things I love about like music in the 80s is that like costumes were encouraged. Right. Like, it wasn't just like you wear... Exactly. Whatever you would wear on the street, you'd wear when you perform. Like no, you like you would like put on a costume when you would yeah. do a concert. Yeah, and I I love that. No, yeah, this the this movie is is fantastic. It's I, like it is a really it's a great feel good movie. Like if you absolutely if, if, if you're you're having a bad day or anything like that, this is the movie to put on. It will cheer you up in a heartbeat. So I would, uh, yeah, so it co- comes out on DVD and probably streaming um, on July 26th. So I would definitely, definitely say check it out at some point. Awesome. Can I just say, I did not expect the question at the top of the episode to be about Stranger Things and then 
have feeling it with none of us talking about Stranger Things. Well, here's the thing. I might be watching Stranger Things sometime soon. So, like, I'm excited to, like, mention it because it'll probably be one of my feeling it in the coming weeks. All right. Yeah. I watched it all and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet either. So I'm ex- I was excited to hear you guys talk about it and I may just be excited for another week. Yeah. It 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 was definitely I, it was definitely going to be what I was feeling until I watched Sing Street and I was like I I have to Sing I have Street, to talk about Sing Street. <laughs> it truly is that great. Like that it could easily replace anything that you thought it's, you were uh, feeling. It's <laughs> so true. Yeah. I can't wait to yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah. I would I would watch both of those things. Stranger Things, great great 80s TV show. And Sing Street, great 80s movie. Yeah. So neither of them 80s, things made in the 80s, but set in the 80s. lost um, a really great figure in TV and film. Um, Gary Marshall died, I believe it was on Tuesday night. Um, For me personally, Gary Marshall is a big influence on my pop culture taste. Um, Growing up, rom-coms were like my main source of entertainment. I would watch them constantly. And Gary Marshall's rom-coms were my favorite ones. Um, I Runaway Bride especially was my favorite movie until probably like the I got to like mid college. That movie I've watched countless times in my life. It's incredibly important to me. Um so hearing about Gary Marshall's death was you know very sad and uh, it made me think back on his entire career. Um I want to ask y'all are there any Gary Marshall movies or TV shows that like really meant a lot to you or that you just really enjoyed? The only Gary Marshall piece of media that I've seen, I know we're going to be talking about pop culture knowledge gaps in a second, but he is definitely one for me. The only Gary Marshall piece of media that I've seen um, is uh, Princess Diaries. Yeah, The Princess Diaries is such a great, like, I think it's such a big movie for a lot of people our age, too. Um, I hear people, like friends of mine, that quote Princess Diaries all the time without realizing, like, oh, Princess Diaries is such a quotable movie. One that, like, comes to mind is um, when Lily, the best friend in the movie, towards the beginning is, like, running, trying to catch Anne Hathaway on the sidewalk, and she yells to, like, wait, wait, and some random people turn to her, and she goes, no, not you. I don't even know you. (laughs) I have friends that, like, will constantly say that quote to each other. Um, And, yeah, there's so many things about that movie that are so, like, fun and heartwarming and um, and it birthed the career of Anne Hathaway, which is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have seen, I mean, of course, Pretty Woman is huge. Um, I'd say, of course. I haven't seen any of this. <laughs> well, you're right. That's, I mean, this is your gap. that's what makes it a gap for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have gaps, too. Just wait. Um, but, yeah, Pretty Woman is such, like, there's a thousand different iterations of it. But that movie is so, so good. Um, I remember watching Happy Days really late at night on TV whenever I was younger. Um, and yeah, Princess Diaries. I, yeah, I mean, most of the movies that I've seen 
that he's been involved in. Um, I know I've missed plenty of his rom-coms, but all the rom-coms that I've seen that he's made have been just really good, like really stuck with me. Yeah, I mean, in his later years, he made those holiday rom-coms that mm-hmm. did were not well-received. Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve. And yeah. Mother's, Day. Mother's Day. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen Mother's Day, but I saw Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve. Valentine's Day was not good, but New Year's Eve was actually really charming. It, there wasn't a lot of substance to it, but... It was a definitely like an easy thing to watch and it was really fun. There's like one of the plot lines in New Year's Eve is this December May romance. Um, well, romance is a strong word, but between Michelle Pfeiffer and Zac Efron. And that had me so hooked. And so there's a lot to love, I think, on that movie. And it's a great movie to put on. I find that it's a great movie to put on the TV on New Year's Eve day when you're, like, decorating and getting ready to go out for the night. Mm-hmm. Um, you decorate for New Year's? Oh, we go hard on New Year's. And oh, so... <laughs> you're just going to have your pictures look bland with no decorations? Yeah, like we photo booth walls every year. Okay. <laughs> Get on board. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, that's one that I will defend. I won't defend his others that are late in life. But overarching, his career is so impactful to, like, so much of pop culture. And one of the big things is the stars that he discovered and, like, brought mm-hmm. to us. Um, Ron Howard, Penny Marshall, his sister, Julia Roberts, Anne Hathaway, Robin Williams, because he created Mork and Mindy. And Robin yeah. Will- that's where Robin Williams got his start. Yeah. Uh, or, like, one of his big starts. And so... Yeah, it's all the talent that, like, is so important to, like, modern-day film and television, Gary Marshall had a big hand in, like, bringing to us. Um, I am not a dedicated viewer of, like, Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley or Mork and Mindy, but I've seen a couple of episodes of all of those, um, especially Laverne and Shirley. I was much more, when I was growing up, I would watch old episodes of I Love Lucy. That was what I was dedicated to. Yeah. That being said, he also worked on The Dick Van Dyke Show as a writer and The Lucy Show as a writer. So he's big in television history. Um, no matter where you turn. Yeah. But Laverne and Shirley was one that I would def- I have definitely seen episodes of. And I loved, just as much as I loved I Love Lucy, he had such a great way of like bringing women into this like comedy world and like shining a light on really hilarious women. Um, and I just watched clips from Laverne and Shirley this week and it's so funny and it's so cool that like at that time there was this show about these two single women just like working and living and being hilarious. Um, I just have a lot of respect for him. I read a lot of people's, you know, as anytime someone in like anytime a celebrity dies, obviously there's like a bunch of tweets from people saying about working with that person or, like, what a great person they were. And the things I read about Gary Marshall were always just so encouraging. He just seemed like an incredibly kind, supportive person who just wanted to make movies and TV shows that, like, made people feel good. And I really appreciate that goal in life. So, um, yeah, he will be missed very much. And his movies, like, I will continue to watch over and over again. And we will continue to see his influence for decades and decades. Oh, yeah.
All right. So to get to our main topic today, we're going to be talking about pop culture knowledge gaps. So pop culture knowledge gaps are things that we assume are common knowledge and take for granted. Now, this depends on what we're exposed to. Usually as kids, we assume everyone's exposed to the same thing we are. Um, and it's not until we're adults that we realize someone might not have experienced the same songs, books, or movies that that we took for granted. So uh, I think a pop culture knowledge gap comes about due to four different things. So one, your awareness. So you had no knowledge of what you were missing. Two, your availability. So you had no way of accessing what you were missing. Three, time. You had no time to consume what you were missing or for indifference, you were totally fine missing it. So what what kind of pop culture gaps do you have and where do they fit in this? So to start off, I'll just, I mean, I'll start off with Gary Marshall. I when, when, when Sandra texted me this, I had no idea who he was or what he did. So when I looked him up, I was looking through all of these works that I'd heard of and, you know, absolutely were very deep in pop culture and I had just never ended up seeing except for Princess Diaries one. Um, but I, and I feel like this is all definitely stuff that I will now get into now that I kind of know that he's kind of connected through all these things. And I feel like people are a lot of those, those big things that kind of tie in. Um, and for, for me, I feel like he, he kind of falls under just the, the awareness category. Like I knew kind of about all of these, pieces of media that he was attached to, but I didn't know there was kind of a tying thread through that mm-hmm. uh, that I'd missed. Yeah, it's hard to know that because it's like it is a gap. It is a blind spot. So it's hard mm-hmm. to know it in yourself until someone else speaks to it. Like, I think I have an idea of some of the things that I missed, but I'm sure as like this podcast goes on, there are going to be times when I'm like, oh, yeah, I never saw that. Like, it's more of other people saying it and like gasping when you said you haven't seen it before. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One that one of mine that comes to my mind, it's a very niche gap, um, but it kind of ties into your idea of like not knowing what you're missing and also not having access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In this case, I didn't have access, so I didn't know what I was missing. Um, <laughs> and when I was in middle school and high school, we didn't have high speed Internet. We all had my parents had dial up Internet and. Even though, so that was very common for a lot of us when we were like in elementary school and middle school is like most people had dial up. But by the time I feel like we got to high school, a lot of people had like faster speed internet and mm-hmm. I was still on dial up in this high school. This was mid to late 2000s. Yeah. Um, so like 2007, still on dial up at my parents' house mm-hmm. uh, because we lived out in the country. So because we had such slow internet, I didn't spend a lot of time on the internet growing up. Um because it was very slow, and we only had one family computer, so we had limited t- time to spend on the computer. Um, so there were all these online communities that I missed out on, and I was a, not a part of because of that. And I didn't even know were happening, because <laughs> I didn't have access to them. Um, so things like Zanga and LiveJournal and Fanfiction.net um, are things that like I didn't get to participate in that I think I would have loved participating in <laughs> yeah. as a teenager. Um, so like now as an adult, I'm spending a lot of time on Tumblr and I'm a part of these conversations. And there will be these posts about like, remember this and remember like this funny like thing that happened on the in the Aww. Zanga community or like remember when all these like trends were happening in fanfiction.net and I missed all of them. Uh, and so teenage Sandra would have been all over that. I know. <laughs> I know. So I think of whenever I hear talk about like what 
those internet fan communities were like in the like early aughts, I get very like nostalgic for something I never got to experience. And I have like a gap of what that culture was like. Yeah. For me, there was a, this kind of underpinning of children's books that I realized as I talked to more and more people, I, I never read any of those. And those were so formative for so many people. Um, so I don't know whether that follows under availability or awareness, um, but I definitely had the time to do it. And it wasn't like I, <laughs> I knew about it and was just like, nah. Um, so, but books like, you know, the Hardy Boys and the Boxcar Children or Little House on the Prairie, like all of the- You never read any of those? I never read any of those. None of no ju- them. No judgment, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> well, yeah, those are like, those are the books that are on every bookshelf and, um, or I mean, a lot of, a lot of bookshelves. I feel like if you go to grandparents' house or parents' house, there's usually like one shelf that has like- Or a the niece, library. Or the library. <laughs> shelves and shelves of books there. Um, so many stories, only one floor. Um, so all of Wait, those- why why one floor? Because like the children's so, so, floor. No, so many, no, so many stories like- First, oh. first story, second story, third story, oh, only one floor. Jeez. I'm glad wow. I got a chance to explain this so all of your eyes mm. can have time to roll and then roll back. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I did not grow up reading those books, and it feels like a real um, kind of base knowledge of pop culture and of, like, common stories that I'm just completely in the dark about. Mm. I feel like time, now more so than ever, is one of the things that starts to pull me out of most of the pop culture thing is like, I hear about it, I want to participate, but I just don't have time. There are just so many things going on right now. Um, so many th- so many TV shows to watch, so many movies coming out, so many books to read that you just end up with a massive list of things. Like, I will eventually get around to that. Like, for me, I will eventually get it, get around to watching The Wire, but I will eventually get around to watching the Godfather movies. But... Things like things that are huge commitments that are, I guess, been perpetrated pop culture so much that everybody knows about it and everybody thinks it's, you know, The Godfather, one of the best movies ever, or The Wire, one of the best TV shows of all time. Like, one, it's intimidating to jump into that sure. <laughs> late, late. Um, and two, like, it, it's, a, it's a big time commitment for something that you've have heard is great, but really, really don't know you know, kind of what you're getting into at all. And and it's scary. It's just a lot. And there's so. no urgency for a thing like that. It's not like there's exactly. this ongoing yeah. conversation. It's just references that happen all the time that you don't know about. Right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that you're right. I mean, that's so hard with time. I mean, we're in this golden age of television. So shows like The Americans and Walking Dead mm-hmm. and all these different shows are supposed to be so good. And I just... I wouldn't put The Walking Dead in there, but whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people do have time for The Walking Dead, but for me, I was just like, I don't, like, I watched the pilot, and I was like, no, and then later on, everyone said, it's amazing, like, oh, I should catch up, but now I'm, like, what, 40 hours behind, like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. one that, like, fits into sort of, like, the time and the indifference for me is the Lord of the Rings series, um, the Mm, movies, and the books. She waited until Brent was gone so she could do this. <laughs> so, like, I have never seen any of the Lord of the Rings movies um, or read the books. And what started out most, it was it started out as indifference. You know, growing up, it never appealed to me. Um, I've always had this issue with, like, anything that's, like, not set in modern day or, like, close <laughs> to modern day. So I'm not big on period pieces. I'm not big on, like, medieval things. 
Um, just to be clear, the Lord of the Rings is not a period piece. No, just so but you it's know. very, it's... but it is medieval esque. Like <laughs> it's high yeah, fantasy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Um, it's not set. There's no like right, normal houses. Like it's... <laughs> <laughs> that's what you jump to for like modern days. Yeah, no one not comes not to a craftsman okay, style. Home. Honestly, here's the hardest thing for me about period pieces and like medieval pieces is it's the way people talk it's i can't they're, stand they're british they're just all british it's not just that they're is. british though it's like this old timey way of language that turns me off so much there is a little bit of sexism in it well i mean throw that into it sure but like into the inherent language where it's just like this is the land of men i mean that like, isn't a, mean for humanity. i mean that's just like a cherry on the top uh, but anyway so i never they never really appealed to me um, so I never made a point to watch them. And now as an adult, I probably could get into them. Like, I probably, if I sat down and watched them, I probably would really like them. Um, but they're so long that to, like, mm-hmm. sit down and watch all three seems like, like such a time commitment. All 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where, that I could be spend watching, like, new TV shows that are out. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, that is a big one for me. How, how do you feel about, like, the pressure? Because I feel like every time anybody, you know, I guess exposes one of your gaps, there's an immediate of, oh, my gosh, you have to, like, you have to see this. You have to watch it now kind of a thing. Yeah. And if it's not something that you've, you know, have been aware of or just, you know, haven't had time to, like, how do you take that? I mean, it feels... I feel guilty, but I, I'm such a people pleaser. Like that's no one is surprised that I feel guilty in that scenario, but movies like, uh, like classics of cinema, like older, more established, like citizen Kane and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. If someone says, or if they're talking about it in conversation, like, Oh, I never saw that. And they're like, Oh, how do you, I do feel really guilty, but especially movies like, uh, wait, have you not seen citizen? Kane? I've not seen citizen Kane. Okay. Um, How do you live with yourself, Lawson? I don't How know. Do do I it? don't know. Citizen Kane, I wouldn't say you need to see it, but it is surprising that you haven't just because, like, I've saw it through so many, like, film classes or, like, high school. Like, we were f- required to watch it in high school. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have any film classes when I was in high school. I think I was in one film class in college where we were supposed to watch it, and I, like, missed that week. Like, okay, it's been gotcha. it's been weird that I've missed it, and it's something that's been on my list. Um, but also movies like, uh, like, I have never seen Schindler's List. Um, which is something that's very, like, it feels important and it feels like most people have seen it and whenever they see it, they're kind of like changed. And so if you haven't seen it, it's like this, there's this perception that it's impossible for you to have enough perspective about this very important subject. And so... But it's hard. It's hard. Like, when are you sitting down on a Saturday night and be like, all right, let's watch a movie about the Holocaust? <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, my wife and I sometimes, like, try to set aside time for that. Like, whenever we were talking about the movie Hotel Rwanda, which I had seen and she oh, hadn't. Yeah. And she was like, I feel like I need to see Hotel Rwanda. I was like, yeah, you kind of do. But, like, I'm not going to tell you. You have to do that tonight. Yeah. And so <laughs> a couple weeks later, she's like, I think I'm up for it. I'm like, all right, let's do this. It's it's just hard to, to sit down and take that time. But they're movies that do feel very important and feel like a real gap when you haven't seen them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of those things are, I mean, the, the, the reason they are big in pop culture is because they are kind of life-changing, kind of emotional, you know, movies and TV shows and things like that. But, but you know, jumping into it knowing that that's what you're about to go into is very difficult. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. like, this is 
Oh, my example is not going to be as like meaningful yeah. as Lawson's that I just <laughs> talked about. But I think it is interesting when you know you have a pop culture gap and then you try to go back and like catch up on stuff. Mm. Um, so like like you said, my, I really can't think of anything further of a different than example than what you just said. But like I wasn't my I had very strict parents growing up. Um, so I wasn't allowed to watch really anything with sex in it. Like my dad wouldn't even let me watch friends in high school because like they have sex with each other. (laughs) Um, But so I missed out on a bunch of like high school sex comedies that like probably a lot of my peers saw like American pie and stuff like that. (laughs) So like, I remember in like college going through and like watching a bunch of movies that were not good, but that I just felt like I needed to watch because everyone else saw them when I when they were in high school, and I wanted to be in the know. Yeah. So like American Pie, not another teen movie. Um, uh, what's the other big one? All the movies parodied and not another teen movie. Right, <laughs> all of those. Um, Cruel Intentions was another one. So like all of these, yeah, like super like gross out movies that I just wasn't allowed to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, my parents, I feel like that is part of it. I don't know if that would fall under availability. And I know that these are kind of our own constructs for categories, but I, it's helpful for talking through it. But I think availability is what fits into this. Or like, I also call it access. Like, I didn't yeah, have yeah, access to those yeah. movies. Or I didn't have access to the internet, you know? Right. So, mm-hmm. like, my parents wouldn't let me watch, uh, at the time, what I thought was going to be the next Power Rangers called VR Troopers. Um, but it's just, like, a complete ripoff of Power Rangers, and no one even remembers <laughs> it now. Um or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was huge and continues being a huge Michael Bay franchise and everything. But they gave the same reason for both of those forbidden shows, which was uh, they're of the devil. <laughs> like <laughs> They were like uh, VR troopers. They say uh, something like the power of darkness and power. Like the bad guys, like dark forces give me power and they're like that's satan right and then um (laughs) with teenage mutant ninja turtles they were like uh the sensei rat shredder says uh you know trust in yourself rely on yourself kind of talking about a little bit more eastern stuff because it's like eastern karate like they know philosophy philosophy and so they're like they're talking about relying on yourself not relying on god yeah and so i grew up the house i grew up in was like definitely religious and definitely conservative but like boycotting stuff like that wasn't really their style and so it was really interesting realizing that later in life and then going back and asking my mom about it and I was like that was a pretty thin argument and she was like <laughs> yeah I just didn't want to buy you more plastic toys <laughs> <laughs> well I definitely wasn't allowed to watch Sailor Moon for like religious reasons yeah I don't I can't as an adult tell you what those reasons were I, they <laughs> don't make any sense to me but I know that there were reasons that had to do with God that well, I wasn't allowed to watch Sailor Moon. Try confronting your parents about it now because they may just, like, get honest. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were going to ask for that action figure for a week and then ruin it, and I did not want to buy it. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like one of those things that ends up, like, kind of kind of like what you said, of like coming back and, like, experiencing it later and things like that. Um, with, with Pokemon for me, I wasn't not into it at all as a kid. And now with Pokemon go kind of flooding the market, um, I've kind of started playing it, but I, I still have zero interest in learning about Pokemon Mm -hmm. and going back and, you know, I guess playing the games or, 
I don't know, was the, I guess there was a TV show. I, I, like, I still have zero interest in Pokemon, but I am interested in this one game that, that came out. So, you know, taking a piece of that culture um, and kind of embracing that, but not, you know, disconnecting it from, um, from anything that came before it. And so I, I'm curious as to, you know, how that works with, like, people who have seen the new Ghostbusters but have never seen any of, you know, the you know, are completely disassociated from anything that happened before and things like that. If that is something that kind of fits in that pop, pop culture gap for people. That is a great question. Before we jump into it, I just, on the note of Pokemon. Oh, yes. There were a lot of other Pokemon things that came out, not Pokemon things, but things that were so similar. Like there was a show called Yu-Gi-Oh! Dragon there, Ball Z. There was a show called Digimon. Well, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Digimon were both like direct Pokemon ripoffs. Like yeah. Dragon Ball like Z, they Walmart all fall into like anime, but... They were both like you collect monsters. Some of them are like direct tie-ins, like the Pokemon card game, and they're. I mean, Digimon. It's just Pokemon, but with the word the prefix Digi instead. And those, whenever those came out, like I was such a malleable like, like if you put a commercial on for a Pokemon thing, I wanted to buy it. Like they totally had me <laughs> hook, line, and sinker with that. But even I somehow had the insight to be like. Those are just corporate ripoffs. Like, I'm not interested. I'm not going to, like, watch Yu-Gi-Oh! or Digimon or give any of my time or money to that. Like, that's a fad. That's garbage. That's going to pass. Meanwhile, I'm, like, buying 18 Pokemon to card decks. So, just wanted to touch on that for Pokemon. But, yeah, it's uh, talking about uh, things where we missed it in the past, and now it's kind of because we have nostalgia culture coming up and everything. There's all this stuff that you may not even know about the first thing. I mean... I think that leads to a lot of indifference for uh, people who didn't see it before and now see it rehashed. Like, why is that getting rehashed? Like, if you didn't grow up watching Full House and now Fuller House is out and the reviews are like, it's meh. I mean, yeah. there's no draw to that. And it, it basically it takes 100% uh, reliance on you having not having that pop culture gap for you to be interested in that new expression at all. Or... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to think. Or is it that this is completely marketed to people without that culture gap? That there that this is just a new way to bring in those people who have that nostalgia, and it has nothing to do with, you know, bringing in new people at all. Yeah, that's something I think about with how movies that are getting remade, like kids coming up now. Like, what if a kid didn't know that Ghostbusters existed, and then they saw the first TV commercial for Ghostbusters, and they're like, right. "What an original premise." Yeah. But that has happened forever. Like, that's not a new thing. Ocean's Eleven is a reboot of a movie that Frank Sinatra made. You know, like right. And when like we were this, coming up, we're like, "Oh, cool, George." Ocean's Clooney. Eleven. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is like something that's always happened. It's, but is it's it a good? Lot more like, is it a good idea? Now. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a good or bad idea. I think it's. And like, I don't know. I'm one of these people that like. I don't care if it's a reboot or a sequel as long as it's a good story. That is all you have to do to, like, satisfy me. Preach. Agreed. And so, but I, 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 just, I just don't feel like, that, like that, that matters to the people who are making them. For them, it's money, and so they will reboot it because that it's, like, guaranteed to make money. Yeah, but I think that that applies to original ideas as well. Like, I think that principle applies across the board. I think the studios do that, but I don't think a filmmaker comes in with an original idea just to make money. Where I feel like right, the people who the, rebooted RoboCop or Total Recall, that was 100% a cash grab. Yeah. Sure. I mean, there's always going to be 
people that do things for bad reasons and there's always going to be like not good art. But I think that, I don't know. I just feel like uh, reboots don't bother me as long as the story is good. And I think people complaining about reboots are just watching bad ones. So I'm not complaining about reboots. I'm wondering like, so, so have you guys seen like the, the original like RoboCop or Total Recall? No, no. Okay. Culture gap. I Culture gap. (laughs) But, but I, I like I kind of think those are like classic, you know, older action movies. Okay. Um, and I think r- the reboots made people more aware of those older movies as well. Like the new movies were crap. They were terrible. But I feel like that is could be a culture gap that people have. But it, it brings kind of awareness to that older one. Like I like oh, I would cool. I. I had not seen total the original Total Recall, but when I knew they were remaking Total Recall, it it made me aware to the fact that oh, I should probably watch that, and so I did. I watched both of them, and the new one was terrible, but <laughs> it, it 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 made me aware to something that was good that I had missed. Yeah, it could it can be kind of a a litmus test. Like if it's something that they're remaking um, without completely reinventing it, it probably means that it's something that had enough of a cultural impact in the past to where people were you know, thinking we could do this again. So mm-hmm. it is a good kind of awareness campaign in itself, even though it's a whole different movie, for stuff that you might not have thought about before. Yeah. Mm. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I think it brings it brings things back to the spotlight that I think at one point deserved to be in the spotlight, but, you know, years have gone by and people have forgotten it, and it might, might not be something that ever comes up again um, if it's not kind of rehashed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just time in general, we're talking about, like, uh, different things that are getting rebooted and people not even having heard of it before. I feel like, especially in the realm of TV, um, I'm sure this happens with books and music and stuff too, but especially in TV, there are things back when, you know, 40 million people would watch one episode of a TV show or would watch an entire series regularly. Um, those kind of shows were kind of on their way out whenever we were growing up. And so shows like, I don't know, Cheers and MASH and uh, all of these shows that, we just kind of aged out of, I feel like are significant pop culture gaps if you're talking to people of a certain age. Um, but for if you're just talking to people of our generation, they haven't seen it and it's fine. But um, because TV shows used to be such larger cultural conversations, I feel like, oh man, I kind of just miss those. I know that you've seen all of Cheers, right, Sandra? Not, I mean, not every episode, okay. but I've watched Some a, of it. A, like, yeah, yeah. a good amount of it. Yeah, that just it makes me feel. It definitely feels like a gap for me to where I know that those shows have gone on to influence so many things. Sure. Um, and I haven't seen them. Is there anything for you guys that you feel like you were just in the wrong time, like you were born a little bit too late or a little bit too early, and so you missed out on something that you think is probably a big deal? I think the Revolutionary War was pretty formative, and I totally missed that. <laughs> so. You know, that is like such a like a valid question, Lawson. But I truly don't. I like love my generation. I was born I, like, in the perfect time. Uh, old Everything stuff is, is dumb. Like, not, not completely. But we I get just, new Star Wars. We get Beyonce. We get, yeah. Like obviously, I don't fully believe that. There are plenty of old sitcoms that I really appreciate and love. But like as a general rule, like old movies, I'm not usually interested in watching, and I don't feel like I'm missing out. So that's funny. I think I think there are a lot of things like Star Wars or The Godfather that are like really classic things that came out at a at a point in time when 
that was all anyone talked about because there was just, you know, limited amounts of media and limited amounts of pop culture that when something that big, you know, hit the market, everyone talked about it and there wasn't anyone who had seen it. So I think, I think that is something that I, I would love, love to participate in. But honestly, I kind of am with Sandra, like, like this is a great time to be alive. (laughs) (laughs) As down as I am on most of the things that come out now, um, I'm definitely the party pooper of the group, but (laughs) I, I, there's a lot of really good stuff too. Like, I mean, even talking about what, what I talked about today, like Sing Street, there's no way I would have been able to see that you know, 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so true. Like, it's just, it's amazing. I sat on my couch and watched a movie without having to go to this go to a store everything's so much easier. from the blockbuster video. Well, even, not even just like the (laughs) physical process, but truly availability, like based on where Mm -hmm. you lived. Like, my parents even still, like growing up in South Texas, um, have such like limited access to entertainment like, I mean, they have, like, once things come on DVD, they can usually find them or order them or find them online. But when things are in theaters, my mom only gets the biggest blockbusters at her theater. And so yeah. she, like, I'm constantly telling her about movies that I'm seeing, and none of them ever come to South Texas. Yeah, with our uh, art house theater being out in Nashville until just this weekend, it's felt like... Like, there was a Terrence Malick movie, Night of Cups, that came out that I mm-hmm. really wanted to see, and there was no way for me to see it. And oh, wow. so that that's something that is a real, like, availability and access is a really big deal. And so I know that's a very bougie example for me. Like, I couldn't see this one art house thing. Whenever there are, <laughs> there are so many people who live in places where all I see is, you know, top 10 blockbusters of the summer, and well, that's like, it. My parents, like, we, you know, Lawson in Nashville, not only do we have an art house theater, but we have, like three or four movie, the- like, major movie theaters in our city. True. And, like, my mom, there is one major movie theater in the town over. And so, like, they're not even, not only just, like, super art house films, but, like, even just, like, movies like Sing Street that are in a lot of major theaters, like, yeah. wouldn't come to her. Or, um... Like, we have ten screens. Yeah. What are we gonna pick? Right. So it's yeah. all gonna be the biggest blockbusters. Um, mm-hmm. we've also kind of talked about on this podcast, um, like, access to, um, like, Broadway and musicals. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how, you know, I consider myself a big musical fan, so I feel like I have a better knowledge of musicals than just, like, the average person off the street. But compared to someone, but compared to people who really love musicals, I am, that's a major pop culture gap for me. I don't, I haven't seen many things, many productions. Um, mm-hmm. And so, because I didn't grow up in a high school that had musicals being create, performed. I didn't grow up in a community where theater was a big thing. Um, and I've never been to New York, so I've never seen, like, a Broadway show. Yeah, like, if you had grown up in New Jersey or some place, like, even where you could drive to New York, you yeah. probably would have seen several at this point. Right. Um, yeah, so that, like, even though I'm a big fan of musicals, I consider that a major pop culture gap for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just think we're at a point where, like, there is so much pop culture. There are so many different niches of pop culture that um, we're, we're getting to the point where, you know, everyone has their own thing. And I think it's going to be a lot less surprising in the future when somebody doesn't share your um, your knowledge of something. Absolutely. You ready for a heavy handed metaphor? I feel like we've here we go. Awesome. I feel like go we've gone it. from a water cooler society of pop culture to a LaCroix society. 
So it's like, <laughs> and we're done. All right, that All right, wraps it up. And we're done for this week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, no, but it's so much more like you can take your own thing with you, and you know, you might like the same flavor as somebody else, but it's everyone has their individual cans that they're going from place to place with. They're not all going to the same thing, drinking out of the same. Uh, water tub and talking about stuff whenever they get there. So like even the phrase like water cooler show was so much feels antiquated now. I mean, I feel like fewer offices do have water coolers, but I've only worked at a couple of offices, so <laughs> I, I mean, can't. Those shows <laughs> but, I think yeah. definitely do still exist. Mm-hmm. Um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, Walking Dead yeah. are two big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, American Crime Story was one this year for sure. Yeah, yep. Beyonce I think is a big figure. Like whenever she comes out, like everyone talks about anything she puts mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's still there, but it's definitely dwindled and it's not like the main focus that it used to be. Agreed. Yeah. For sure. Well, right. cool. Well, no one can top my metaphor, so let's just wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that wraps up our discussion of pop culture knowledge gaps. I, we would love to hear what you guys feel like you missed um, or something that that we talked about that we missed that you you definitely want to talk about. I, I follow, follow us on Twitter and reply to us there at um, feelingitpod. Guys, where can we find you this week? I'm Sandra Omstutz, and you can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Omstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. You can find me, Lawson Soward, on social platforms at Lawson West, L-A-W-S-O-N-W-E-S-T. And I'm Lucas Wright. You can find me on Twitter at Lucas and Stuff, and I'm not going to spell it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. Adios. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 